Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And this week we are starting a brand new series that we are very excited about. Yes, I am very excited, but I'm glad you finally come around. Yeah, it took it took me a little while to get there, uh, but now that I've kind of had a glimpse into your mind and what your hopes and desires mm. are for this, it was scary, but now that yeah, we're here, yeah. I'm excited about it. You get lost in there, buddy. Yeah, it gets real weird. Uh, no, I'm I'm very excited about it, and I do want to kind of pull out what the, what the series is about and kind of how it fits into the bigger picture of what we talk about over here at Bible and stuff. But before that, we need to talk about something else that's very exciting, which is that this series is presented by Dwell. Yeah. The Dwell Bible, yeah. to be a little bit more specific. And it, exactly. is, uh, it is a really cool app uh, that we're going to talk more about later. But we're, we're really excited to have them sponsoring this series with us. Yeah, they, they believed in us, maybe uh, to their own demise. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we really, really appreciate the support from them. And we would appreciate you guys supporting them as well. All right. Let's talk about the series. Yeah. We're calling it Uniquely Wired, Who God Made You to Be. It's beautiful. Um, I changed the subtitle on you since we last talked. <laughs> but <laughs> Here's my thought. Yeah. Two things that I, that I have under that. Number one, you and I talked about this a while ago, and I think we've said it on the show. It sounds weird, but we had to ask ourselves, what do we want to do with this thing? Like when we get on here and have a show and talk to people and with the other resources we're creating around the show, like what's our goal? Yeah. And ultimately we said like we we want to change people. Like we want to have some effect on them. This isn't like purely entertainment or anything like that. So what kind of effect do we want to have? And ultimately what we said is like, okay, we want to we want to kind of help disciple people. Yeah. Which, again, you're figuring out how my mind works. We have to keep chasing this rabbit. So when we disciple people, what does that mean? What does it look like to be a disciple? What it, what are we discipling them to? Yeah. And, like, there's a lot of answers to that. Obviously, we want you to know God more deeply. Our mission statement is to help people grow closer to Jesus through recovering the spiritual disciplines. But... uh there's There's another end in there too. It's Jesus is the end, but we're also on mission, yeah, right so so we we have deep relationship with God, but if we just did that and we did nothing with our body, that would go against the part of the Bible where Jesus says, "If you love me, you'll you obey my commandments, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so we also want people to be obedient to Jesus, part of that is through spiritual disciplines, and part of that is on mission in the world around them, having the most impact for God's kingdom as possible. That's really good, yeah. So, a key part of that to me is us understanding who God has made us to be. On some level, I'm talking about talents and gifts, but I'm also talking about more than that. And I think it's something a lot of us miss. I think you and I have had a lot of conversations recently where we realize, oh, okay, we've made it about 30 years into this thing before we've really like settled on, oh, maybe this is who I'm supposed yeah. to be and this is what I'm supposed to do. And even, you know, some days we still doubt oh, for sure. <laughs> what exactly that, that looks like. But 
the goal here, the goal of everything we really do is for you to have the maximum amount of impact. And that feels weird for me to say. I'll just be up front. Like, I feel a little uncomfortable saying, like, I want you to be the most effective or uh, the most impactful because it sounds very data driven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but can we agree that Jesus's time on earth was as impactful as it could have been, right? Yeah. Like that was kind of his goal to make an impact. Now he didn't do it in the way we thought. He's not here like ruling the entire world in, in person. So there's some tricky ways about which God, uh, sees impact come into being sure. <laughs> through us. But, uh, but he does still want impact. He does still want us to have some effect on the world around us. He does still want us to take light into darkness. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to like deal with my like, uh, like prickliness around the language and just lean into it. That's, that's what we want. Yeah. And we think this is a way to help you get there. Man, I, I think it's great. We we recently talked in our community group about this idea of um, we, we were talking a little bit in Corinthians where Paul is addressing the church and and basically says, like, if if salvation is if Jesus was never resurrected, like we should be the most pitied people. And so we kind of like mm-hmm. tore that apart a little bit and got to this point where we were like, yeah, we should. As Christians, we should be turning heads, right? Uh, and that goes hand in hand with that idea of making an impact. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Yeah, language-wise, it feels weird to say, but I think <laughs> when we take a second to step back and actually think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think as we unpack the fuller idea and put more meat on those bones, it'll make more sense like, I, I don't say, hey, you should have maximum impact for us to immediately start to feel shame about how we're not living up to what we right. need to be, as if we need to earn something from God, or as if this is all just about pragmatism and an only, like, only just do what works and who cares about uh, <laughs> any other principles in the Bible. Yeah. Like, that's not yeah. what we're saying at all. And, and so I wanted to kind of very quickly lay out this kind of triangle that I'm working working with around maximum impact. So maximum impact is a circle here in the middle. That's what we're shooting for. And I see three things floating around that. The top is the grace of God. We've talked about that a lot. I think at some point I want to come and do a whole series just on that. But we have to be rooted first and foremost in that, right? Like everything for Christians is contingent on the grace of God. The second piece is this series that we're talking about. It's who God has created you to be. What are you specifically supposed to do? So I've been saved by the grace of God. I'm continuing to rely on and seek the grace of God and know Jesus and God more deeply. But also, God's given me a specific set of talents and abilities and a personality and a body in a particular place, in a particular time. And if we think about the uh, parable of the talents, we don't need to waste that. We need to invest it. That's what God wants us to do. And then the third piece, which we've talked a lot about and believe a lot about in, believe in very deeply, is spiritual disciplines, which is what helps keep that circle going in the right direction. Yeah. 
right? We need spiritual disciplines to continue to pursue Jesus, pursue God, to continue to stay close to Him so that we can honor Him in this other space of trying to be the most faithful version of ourselves. Because that gets that can get real squirrely real fast yeah. if you're not tied deeply into to Jesus. And I think this ap- approach of looking at it in kind of a Venn diagram type way helps us mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, it, you know, some of us, I think, probably feel like in this moment right now, yes, the grace of God is strong and present in my life. And my spiritual disciplines are maybe, like you know, it's the best it's ever been for me. But my self-identity mm-hmm. or my not self-identity, identity in Christ is I don't know where I'm at. Right. That really mm-hmm. shows us a good picture of our, our impact that we're making, right? If one of those things is lacking, um, it's going to be a little lopsided, (laughs) right? Yeah. Well, we were talking about this the other day, right? Like I'll make this quick because we got to keep moving. But if you think about it and and you look at those three things and you take one of them away, you can kind of see all the ways in which this can go wrong without the complete picture. Yeah. If you just have, discipline and purpose. So we leave the grace of God completely out of it. We've talked about this a lot in the spiritual disciplines episodes. That becomes works-based, right? If we're not realizing that grace is already accessible to us, but we're trying to get to it, we're trying to do all the stuff we can possibly do to earn God's favor, that's works-based. That's against the gospel. Not very helpful. If you are only discipline and only grace of God, your very inward focus is just about God loves me. I'm doing what I can do to love him. And that's great. That's good. But you're missing the whole part where he wants you to do something. Yeah. He wants you to take that talent and invest it so you become very inward focused. And the last one is if you're only grace of God and purpose, you're saying, oh, God loves me. He has so much grace for me. And he's given me these gifts and these abilities. Again, that gets really weird really fast, and I think you end up going astray because you don't have the discipline of bringing all those things you are doing back to God and making sure, hey, am I on the right track here? Is this where you would have me? Am I seeking your face and all the stuff that I'm doing? So I think that leads us uh, to be self-focused in a different way, and it ultimately leads us out of the mission that God would have us on. Yeah. So that's kind of the paradigm we're working with. I think everything we do fits into to those three big buckets and ultimately, hopefully, helps you to be as impactful as you can be, even though we don't love the word. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the idea is there. We get the point now. The idea is there. We'll, we'll figure out the words as time goes on. Okay, so to introduce what we're talking about today... The first episode in this series we're calling Uniquely Wired, we're going to, to start very foundational about what our, what our general identity, like the Bible gives us some big buckets yeah. about people who are for God and people who are against God, and so we're going to get there. But one way I want to start is uh, there's a comedian I listen to a decent amount, his name's Mike Birbiglia. 
I can't recommend you watch everything he does. Uh, but in general, I like his approach. He's very uh, storytelling focused, and and he usually has these overarching like principles that fall underneath all the jokes, which to me is very enjoyable. And also, I think sometimes end up being pretty godly, uh, despite the fact that I'm almost positive he's not a Christian. Uh, <laughs> but on his podcast, he does this thing where he talks to other comedians and he asks them a few like uh, questions to like, pull jokes and stuff out of them. And one of them that he asks is, can you think of a time when you were an inauthentic version of yourself? His example is that he went through a phase where he wore a cowboy hat and he was just cowboy Mike. For no reason. Like, he's, if you saw him, the last thing you would think is cowboy. Yeah. But that's just who he decided to be for that period of time. So I'm curious if you have an example that comes to oh, mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it must have been, it was middle school is where it definitely started. But we had, yeah, we had a youth pastor who is part of this big metal christian band back in the day um zayo mm-hmm. and i yeah. had never been introduced to metal or anything like that and so a lot of the kids in our youth group were like yeah this is awesome and so i started going to shows with some of these kids uh metal shows and all of a sudden i started to notice my friends like dressing differently and i was like oh i mean i'm with these people i'm gonna start doing that and the big, this is embarrassing to say, but the big thing at that time was like, if you're going to a show, like you're part of the scene, you got to wear girl pants, mm-hmm. tight, tight yep. pants. Mm. And so yeah. I, I remember going through my mom's closet one day looking for pants. Oh, that's great. Uh, so yeah, I went through that's this great. phase where my inauthentic version of myself was like, dress like you were you were women an emo scene kid wear women's pants (laughs) and dark uh shirts oh yeah that's not me yeah (laughs) i i I, yeah (laughs) yeah now we wear normal fitting pants but i i feel you people who are not of the generation that we are of it that's not going to make any sense of them they're going to think you're a psycho (laughs) uh but i can attest that is exactly what it was like People wore very, very tight pants, and it became a status symbol somehow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to the point where before they started making male skinny jeans, yes, people would just go buy women's jeans and wear them as men. There you have uh, I don't know if I ever committed to that, but when they started making actual male skinny jeans, I was all over yeah. it. Uh, yeah, and now I like to room to breathe. That's <laughs> what I like. <laughs> so I can relate. I also went through a cowboy phase. Um, cause I grew up in the country as a, as a kid. Uh, yeah. And so both of, both of which I think back to those things and go, man, that's not me at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just really wanted to belong. Yeah. I really wanted to, to fit in, in both of those places. Uh, but I ultimately did not. <laughs> so I had to fake it. Um, Another way to think about this idea of kind of identity or who we are, uh, I saw this clip scrolling through social media. It's a Joe Rogan clip. I'm not a huge Joe Rogan fan, uh, but if I see a clip, I may watch it. So uh, sue me, I guess, if you don't like Joe Rogan. I'm don't do that. We're still uh, I don't. We're still I, young. And I our- <laughs> don't really either. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, it wasn't even him. It was his guest. I should have skipped all that. 
uh, and he was talking about tools and he was saying like, Hey, there's a screw in this chair that I'm setting in. If you didn't have a tool, could you get it out? Mm. And he's like, oh, you know, how difficult would that be? And he's like, I hey, know it'd be pretty, pretty hard. Like you can maybe use your fingernails or a tooth, but like, it's gonna be painful and not go well. Uh, but if you have a tool, it becomes really easy. So I'm bending that metaphor a little bit to say you are a tool like you were made for a specific purpose. And if you try to use it for something else, it's not going to go well. Yeah. So if you say I- I'm going to be a, uh, a fingernail and I'm going to op- I'm going to take screws out of stuff like that's going to go poorly yeah. for you. Maybe to put it more in like tool, if you're a hammer and you go around hitting screws, like, yeah, they'll go in, but it's not, not really what you're hoping for. Yeah. So if you're a hammer, you should probably be looking for some nails <laughs> yeah. to try to hit. <laughs> so it's, it's an imperfect uh, illustration, but th- the idea is God has created us specifically with a specific purpose, a specific, again, body structure, specific place, a specific time, and... As as fallen human beings, we constantly try to live out things that do not align with that at all. Yeah. So we talked about this with Trevin Wax a few weeks ago. If you go back and listen to that episode where he's talking about rethinking yourself, um, who we see ourselves to be. And he says the culture's way of doing this, of defining ourselves, is by looking in, looking around, and looking up. And what that means is... We look inside ourselves first and foremost to answer some of life's biggest questions. The one we're tr- hinting at today being, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And so maybe we ask ourselves, okay, what's my deepest desire? And we try to figure out, like, what do I really want? And how do I just abandon everything else and live into that most fully? And, and I'm, here's, here's the, the road we have to walk. Yeah. I'm not saying there aren't some God-given desires in you that you need to be listening to. But I am saying you're going to find some other stuff in there, too. Yeah. (laughs) And if you start with yourself, then that's going to get away from you really quickly. So then the second category he talks about is looking around. So once we find that desire, once we find that identity, we start giving ourselves some labels. Then we look around to people who will celebrate that in us. So I need people to affirm what I have chosen as my identity. We talked about this in the Alan Noble episode last week, too, where he says identity requires a witness. It requires someone else to say, I see that in you. And so that's where we get a lot of the conflict we have in culture today, where if I don't agree with who you say you are, uh, that it becomes an assault on someone's personhood. Mm-hmm. Which isn't isn't actually the case, but because we take the responsibility of defining ourselves, uh, it, it becomes a, a huge affront for someone to disagree with what you've chosen. Yeah. And then lastly, Trevin talks about after all that, we sometimes look up because we find that to be a little shallow, and we still want some transcendence in our life. We still want some some spirituality, so we just keep the base we've already built and we try to sprinkle some some Christianity or some Buddhism or something on top, on top of, of it, it yeah. 
to give us that sense of, of transcendence, to give us that sense of bigness or belonging or like ultimate ultimate meaning. Yeah, and <clears throat> just to clarify, uh, you've you've said it in so many words, but yeah, that is that is not the correct order <laughs> to look at this. Yeah, really, it's the reverse. Yeah, um, exactly. And yeah, I, and I loved, I love what Alan Noble added last week. He has this category in his book, You Are Not Your Own, that we talked about, that he calls the responsibilities of self-belonging. And and I loved this because I related to it so much, because I, even as a Christian, have all the time tried to define who I am or what I'm supposed to do. For me, it almost com- always comes down to doing something, yeah. uh, because I'm so like work-focused. Uh, but it's it's an overwhelming responsibility. If I am in charge of defining myself, now it's up to me, Alan would say, to justify my existence, (laughs) to create my own identity, to discover meaning in my life, to choose my own values, to belong to a bigger group uh, and feel community that we all long for. Uh, And to have to do all that myself is a lot a lot of work and it's very weighty work that if you get it wrong, it's going to feel like you've blown everything up. Yeah, that's, that's good. It is just kind of debilitating <laughs> to think about like yeah. all of the work that goes into it. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting. You, you said something that reminded me of a conversation we had the other day. Uh, you were saying that um, you were talking to somebody and they wanted you to figure out like, who you are, not what you do. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm getting that right. And you were yeah. saying, oh man, that's hard for me. Right? <laughs> Difficult. Uh, yeah. And so I, I, I think talking about what Trevin was saying and flipping that around even makes just that, that thing easier, right? Defining who mm-hmm. we are uh, as opposed to what we do. Uh, because there is a difference yes. there. They can go hand in hand with one another to an extent, but there there is a, a difference between the two. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So a couple things as we wrap up this this first big idea. One, if you still feel like, I, th- I don't know, I feel like I can define who I am and it is up to me. You know, this would probably be a, non, a non-Christian thinking this way. But I would say, get honest with yourself. First of all, like, do you even really know what you want? Like, I I have that problem as a Christian. Like, do I want this thing? Do I not want this thing? If I decide I do want it and then I work really hard and I get it, often I realize it wasn't what I thought it was. And maybe I don't want it as bad as I thought I did. And so now I have to start all over again. And then again, ultimately we have to ask, okay, what if I make all these decisions, but then someone I love doesn't agree with me? What if they reject who I say that I am because they don't feel it to be true as well? And so it just creates all kinds of problems when we start with ourselves. And as you've said rightly a couple of times, Glenn, it's, it's the upside down way of doing it. Because if we just look to the very beginning of the Bible, We'll see in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 that we're made in the image of God, right? So we're we're not self-created. Yeah. We're created by God. And therefore, we're not self-defined. 
We're defined by God. When I make something, I get to say what it is, and I get to say what it's for, and someone else can take it and try to try to do something else with it, but they're wrong. Yeah. And so we are distinct from the rest of the creation in this way, that God has given us this specific purpose and honor, and he's given us, in lack of a better terms, this analogy can break down, but his DNA, right? So we talk all the time about like, how much feelings do animals really have? Like your dog's not having an existential crisis. He's not thinking about what happens when I die. He's just like, what was that at the door? Is that a squirrel? Uh, and so we're different than animals in that way. Um, and yeah, so we have to start there. We have to start with who God, our creator, says we are. Yeah. And I think just to quickly add to it, too, when we, I guess if we're non-believers and we say that we're self-identifying as well, we're, we're really not in that sense either, right? It's, it's based off of comparison. So like even mm-hmm. going back to that question you asked about our, um, who, who is an inauthentic version of you at some time, like mm-hmm. that tight pants, dark clothed Glenn (laughs) was not, uh, was not created from my own self identified thoughts. It was based off of the culture around me, right? It influenced Mm -hmm. everything that I was doing in that. Um, and again, not that, not that community, uh, can't be a good influence on you, but that's not where we, that's not where we start. Yeah, or the inverse of that, we just walk around saying, well, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not right. that, I'm not that. And you, you just kind of have to, like, take what's left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can only do it based on what you don't want to be. So, we'll come back to all this, we'll kind of go through the process of what it actually looks like to do this the right way and start by looking up instead of looking in and around and then finally adding Jesus on top of it. But... First, we want to tell you about Dwell. The Dwell Bible app is the most beautiful listening and reading experience for Scripture. They have dozens of recordings of the Bible that they have gone out and made, and they're awesome. They have lots of different voices. They have uh, they have voices for a bunch of different translations, ESV, NIV, KJV, NLT, The Message, and more. So my go-to is usually Gregory. He's British. He does the ESV. He has a very cool way of speaking. I I personally follow along with really well. But if I'm feeling particularly reflective, then I like to check out my boy Felix. Ooh, okay, He's yeah. got a really cool voice. Also, not a boring American person like me. <laughs> and I love his inflection. You can put music behind it and and just really get into it and kind of steep in the word. Yeah, with it's awesome. I, I will tell you, I've been listening to Rosie at 1.25 speed with piano and cello mm. in the background. Yep. And it is, it is legit. Uh-huh. But it, it was actually really cool in preparation for this particular episode. There's a, a playlist feature uh, in Dwell that kind of lumps together these themes from across scripture. And so there was one specifically uh, about my identity in Christ. And so I listened through 
And uh, right off the bat, it hit with Isaiah 43.1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And so, boom, mm. just hits you right with that. But it's done in such a, a meditative way that it just, like you were saying, it soaked in. Uh, so it was great. I, I'm really enjoying using this app to listen to the Bible in this format. So that's awesome. We have exciting news. Check out that playlist. We have exciting news for those of you listening who want to try this out. To get started with Dwell, you can go to our specific link, which is dwellapp.io slash Bible and stuff. And when you go there, you can get 10% off a yearly subscription or you can get 30% off the Dwell for Life plan where you pay once and you have it forever. 30% off of that means you save $60. So make sure to go to our link, dwellapp.io slash Bible and stuff, and commit to reading scripture for the rest of this year or the rest of your life. Hopefully the rather. <laughs> the latter, hey, not the rather. But, but you should do both, but you should do it with Dwell. I love it. So let's talk a little bit more about this idea of us not being self-created. Uh, we, we've really kind of leaned into this idea that God has, has formed us. So what does that mean? Yeah, so the biblical way of defining ourselves, as opposed to the cultural way we've talked about, is to just look up, to just start with God, and to say, okay, God is our creator. He gets to define us. What does that mean? There's one big problem with that. <laughs> And that's uh, Genesis 3, right? <laughs> so Genesis 1, we're made in God's image. Genesis 3 comes along, and that, that gets broken. That gets marred by sin, and now it kind of looks different. And so Adam and Eve ultimately made the same mistake that we did, that we do. They have rejected God's definition of good and evil, and therefore God's definition of who they should be. And they've taken their own. Mm. They've decided, I get to make these decisions now. Uh, I wanted to look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It's written in the past tense because Paul's talking to Christians, but this is what was true about us. And if we're not living into this reality, it's what's true about us right now. He says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you know, Adam and Eve sinned, that started a whole <laughs> a whole line of sinners, and they walked according to the world, not according to God, uh, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So this is a picture of mankind after the fall. We're no longer children of God, dwelling with him, living with him in the garden, perfectly under his rule and perfectly living out our purpose, but we're children of wrath. We've traded the truth for a lie, and now we're just doing whatever seems right to yeah. us. Yeah, which uh, you were kind of saying this already, but... For some of us, that's the boat that we are currently on, right? Um, mm -hmm. We we still follow after those things that the world has to offer um, and stray from that which God has hoped for us. Yeah. 
So I think we talked about this in a, in a Joshua episode recently, but the idea I want to play with here is that we said how Jesus comes, and it, to us it looks like he turns a lot of stuff on its head, but really what's happened is stuff is already upside down, mm. and so Jesus is just turning it right side up, and that's how we are. We were created, as God said in Genesis 1, very good. We had a purpose. We were given specific talents and abilities, and those are all still there. To some degree, that's all still underneath whatever we've put on top of it, whatever fig leaves we've tried to throw on and, and change what we look like. And so I don't want us to get caught up in the identity of a sinner too much. Yes, we are a sinner. Yes, we are in need of grace. But we also shouldn't stay there. Right. <laughs> and Christ should be transforming us out of that. Christ is digging up who we really were. The process of becoming more Christ-like is living more truly into who we should be instead of what we try to say that we are. Yeah. Well, and that's really good. I I think this is something that I've, over the years, really tried to like comprehend better in my mind. But this idea that, yes, we still have those moments of of weakness. We We are still in sin. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us, when God looks at us, that's not what he's seeing right? He's seeing the work Mm -hmm. that Jesus did. He's seeing a clean slate. And so that, that should turn our hearts toward him to do what you're talking about right now, to, to be more Christ-like and to strive to be more like him in everything that we do. Yeah. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but there's this Dallas Willard quote that has really had me thinking because it feels wrong when I say it, but I think he's on to something And that's that discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. So, yeah, yeah. Just sit with that for a second, (laughs) okay? Because think about it. Was Jesus perfect? Absolutely. Do we want to be like Christ? Absolutely. But Christ lived in a specific time, in a specific place, with a specific purpose. Uh, And if he lived in our bodies, in our time, in our place, he would look differently. Mm-hmm. Perfect, nonetheless. He would still honor God in everything that he did, but he wouldn't still wear a robe. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think he would still be wearing sandals. I think maybe he would drive a car to get where he needed to go instead of walking. Like things would change. Yeah. And so, all that to say is there is some uniqueness to what it looks like for us to own who God has made us to be and own our our Christ-likeness, if that makes sense. I think growing in Christ-likeness still has its own flair to it for each of us. Yeah, that's really good. Well, and I think even that verse I I quoted a few minutes ago in Isaiah 43.1, it talks about him, him forming us specifically, but... It says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, right? You are mine. And so like, maybe it's insignificant, but to me, when I hear called you by name, it means, a you know, I'm a specific person. I'm not just a general 
I'm not just in a general bucket of people. Jesus knows who I am. Um, you know, he knows the number of hairs on my head. I am unique. Uh, and I think to yeah. dismiss that would, I don't know, it, it would not be good because we are, we are made in God's image and we have this general identity and we're going to talk more about this next week, but we also have things specific to us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to bite off too much of, of next week's episode, but the thing we often fall into is trying to be somebody else and that you're just a bad version of somebody else. And so you need to be, you need to live into who God's made you to be. So general identity, the big idea here is you're either a child of wrath or you're a child of God. A child of wrath is simply anybody who hasn't put their faith and trust in Jesus and is trying to live in obedience to him. And a child of God is, is anyone that has. The New Testament takes the same idea and talks about being in Adam or being in Christ. We be in our parents, Adam and Eve, who chose to define things for themselves, or we look to God in, in Christ's obedience and decide to live like him and, and underneath how God has defined things, who God would have us be, and the mission that God has us on. And I, I just feel like there's so much beauty in that, in those two differences, right? We either live in our parents, sorry, in Adam, right? Our identity can be found in him, which all of us are born into that. But God loved us so much that he gave us Jesus so that we could live in Christ. Our identity could be found mm-hmm. in him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't even think you're wrong to say parents in, well, some, no, no. in some ways because because so much of who we think we should be That's comes true. from our families. That's true. Right? We inherit sin patterns from multiple generations back sometimes, and it takes some work to start to untangle all that from who God would have us be or who God's made us to be. So that's a little bit of where we're going in, in the rest of the series. So we choose to live in Christ, hopefully. <laughs> if, we, if we just live where we've gotten so far, our general identity is that we are a child of God. This is another distinction I wanted to make, because we talked about the Imago Dei earlier, that we're made in the image of God. But not everyone made in the image of God is a child of God. Yeah. Right? Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, and they rebelled, and they were cast out of the garden. So some people made in the image of God are children of wrath, and some people made in the image of God are children of God. But for those of us who have put our faith in Christ and can call ourselves a child of God, it can't be taken away. That's secured in Christ. He says, all that the Father have given me, I'll keep. I'm not going to lose them. Uh, And then I also love 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 19b and 20. He says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And that hints back at Alan Noble's book that we talked about before. So God made us, so therefore he gets to define us. That's marred by sin, and we've been led astray by Satan, our enemy. But Jesus has gone after us. He's gotten us back. He's paid for us with a price, a really hefty price. Uh, And therefore, now we're his. He owns us. No one can steal us away from him. So the, the beauty is that if nothing else, we get to live in that identity that, as you said, when God sees us, he doesn't see all our brokenness and our sin 
and our folly, he sees Jesus's work in our place. Yeah. And you touched on this earlier, but we don't earn it, right? It's yeah. not something that we, we work towards or strive. I, I, we put effort in because we desire to do that as, as we grow closer to God. But that isn't what, that isn't what puts us uh, in this category of being a child of God. Yeah, if you continue that Ephesians passage that I quoted earlier, 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. Yeah. So our identity is not something we have earned or created. It's a gift from God. Our standing before God is not something we've earned or created. It's bought through the blood of Christ. Uh, and he says that that is that way so that none of us may boast. Mm. I'm not better than you or worse than you because I ultimately it's not up to me. But then he continues the next verse I love. He says, for we are his workmanship. We're going to talk about that more the next episode. We're going to get into specific identity, who God has created you to be and how you start to to think about that. Uh, but know that God is the one that worked all those pieces together. He knew what he was doing when he made you whatever height you are, when he <laughs> put you wherever he put you. Uh, we are, cre- And he says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, even those good works, God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. Um, I, I pulled a decent amount from this uh, series from Matt Chandler. He did a sermon series that they called Unearthed, which I think is very helpful. If you want to dive even deeper, you can go listen to that. But he has a saying that he says throughout that series that I really appreciate. He says, you were made for the day, and the day was made for you. Hmm. So God created you in a specific way for the place that he's put you, but also those days were made for you. He has good works that he's already prepared beforehand for you to walk in. That's cool. So that, that obedience is already laid out before you really. It's up to us to press into God, figure out what he would say about who we are and what we're supposed to do. And then to walk in the good works that he has laid out in front of us already. Yeah. I love it, man. I, I'm, I think I'm more amped now about I am more amped now about the series uh, than I was when we first started talking about it. And I think it's because the more, well, one, this idea has been popping up all over the place. Like, like we said, we talked Mm -hmm. with Trevin about this. We talked with Alan about this. We have some interviews coming up that are also kind of in line with this. It's just, it's everywhere. Uh, And yeah, I, I don't think I've ever really taken a decent amount of time to work it out and think about it um, the way that I should. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, right, culture is so loud about this right now that if you're not careful, you're just going to fall into their way of doing it. Yeah. Like, I I don't think any believer can say, yeah, I'm, I'm not pulled at all to try to define myself by some status symbol, whether it's skinny jeans or a nice car or a particular job. Like we're totally pulled into that. We're totally pulled into curating ourselves on social media. We're totally pulled into all these different pitfalls that if, if we're not rooted in Jesus. Um, a couple of clarifications I'm thinking about as we kind of wrap up here that I wanted to make. 
One, we're going to talk a lot about us and a lot about you, but ultimately, this is a path for you to get more of God. Yeah. I think if you think about that Dallas Willard quote for a while, even though it feels weird, uh, discipleship is a process of being who Jesus would be if he were you. Being most faithful to who you were made to be is being as close to God as you possibly can, right? It, it's it's seeing the reality of who he is, what he's done, and who he's made you to be and marrying those as best as you possibly can. Yeah. Ultimately, this whole thing is about getting more of God, more of Jesus, and living in that more fully. So that to kind of say... We're going to talk a lot about you, but d- but don't get it twisted. The answer is not inside you. Yeah, yeah. The answer is still Jesus. That's where I get, uh, if I'm being real honest, I get twisted up in that sometimes. Of like, I'm trying to figure out some answers to big questions I have about my life, and if I'm not careful, I'll start to think that something in me is the answer, or that I can figure out the answer apart from God, which is not true. Yeah. And the second thing I want to mention, because we talked about who we were made to be being marred by sin is the beautiful thing about what Christ does is he doesn't come and destroy who you are or negate who you are. He takes who you are, which has some beautiful parts to it and some really ugly parts to it. And he redeems all the ugly parts and he uses them for his glorious purposes. Mm. Right? Yeah. He uses those against the enemy he will take, uh, I like to say like the best thing about somebody and the worst thing about somebody are usually two sides of the same coin. And it's not about being a completely different person. It's about bringing all of who you are in line with, with who Christ would have you be. Mm. And so those things aren't thrown away or gotten rid of or driven out. They're redeemed, and whatever that passion you have that's coming out in bad ways can now be redirected to glorious ways, in ways that are obedient to Jesus. I love it. Guys, I hope that you, like me, are getting excited about what this means for us in Christ. And come back next week, where we are going to be talking about specific identity, your specific identity, uh, and and what that looks like. Uh, so I'm really excited. But yeah. Yeah. We, we had to lay a lot of foundations this one, but it starts getting more interesting as we go along. It, I mean, hopefully you thought this was interesting too, <laughs> but it, get, it only gets better from here is I guess what I'm saying. So we thank you guys for listening. As always, check us out on social. We're doing some cool stuff with Reels and, and all that on Instagram, which we would love for you to check out. We're calling them Bible Bites. Um, they're doing pretty well for us which we like uh we're pretty proud of them so we would love for you to hop over there give us a follow check that out and then we'd love to hear from you we you can do that on instagram as well twitter facebook you can email us directly at hello at bible let us know what you think let us know uh what you're learning and yeah we appreciate you talk to you next week peace Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.